Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. Joined by Salim to the Wallace. Salim, how you doing today, man? Hey, Dad, I am doing great. Uh, it's a good uh, Sunday morning. It's going to be a lazy Sunday, I think, uh, for me. I'm actually, I'm not completely lazy. I got to do a couple of things, so I run out and grab some stuff. But not bad overall. I, I think uh, the Bulls, you know, they're starting to pull me back in. <laughs> uh, what was that saying? I'm ready to be hurt again. Uh, <laughs> You know they're 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 starting to put together some stuff like Zach, um, but Zach looks like Zach. Like we've we've been talking about it for a couple of weeks now, but like he's definitely been back to his uh, normal uh, game, if you will. So that's good to see. You're content, uh, like Booch. We've talked about a lot uh, this season. He's like he's having his most efficient scoring season. Like his true shooting percentage of that 60%. Um, that was, I, I didn't, I hadn't realized that, but yeah, you know, the big threes are there. Think Pat development happening, Kobe development happening. Uh, there's definitely bright spots for now. Uh, we'll see. I mean, we'll get more into the other stuff with schedule and all the reactions to uh, what's been happening with the games. But yeah, there's, there's a lot to talk about. And there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. Yeah, it's been a it's been another roller coaster of a week for this Bulls team. We we started with the uh, the Cleveland game, so they they lose the back to back to Cleveland, and Donovan Mitchell makes history on them and drops seventy one points, even though it probably should not have gotten that far because of the lane violation, but. Um, it was kind of twofold because even in OT, the Bulls did just kind of completely collapse. But that was a really frustrating uh, loss to, to Cleveland both times. And But after that, they went and they beat a red-hot Brooklyn team, then beat Philly. <laughs> and then on a back-to-back, they beat Utah. which And Utah gave them a good fight. So Lowry came in there and was just dunking on everyone's heads so it was he was out for blood it, it was a it, this was a classic bulls week of just up and down emotions and <laughs> it, it, it was a lot going on but yeah we're, we're gonna get into all of that we're gonna discuss all of the games we're gonna get into some talk about uh zach levine as you mentioned he is back he is looking great he's had some great games this week coming off a hot december he's been tearing it up in january so we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into 
uh, Patrick Williams and Kobe White as well. And joining us to to talk about uh, what's been happening with the Bulls this week in the in the first show of 2023 in the new year, he covers the Bulls for Bleacher Report. He also has a podcast, Points in the Podcast, where he talks hoops and the Chicago Bulls. Elias Schuster, Elias, thanks for joining us, man. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, this is I. I didn't. I this is the first show of of the new year. That's an honor. I didn't know that that, that was the case. So thank thank you for uh, uh, giving me that chance. Yeah, man. Hey, we got We got to start the new year off right. And the Bulls have been kind of trying to do the same thing as well. But yeah, thanks thanks for joining us. And yeah, we it, it's been a it's been a rocky season, right? So many different emotions, like. At one point, it was blow up the team, rebuild. It, it, we got to start over, and now, as Salim has said, like they're they're starting to pull us back in a little bit. They are nineteen and twenty one on the season. They are the ninth seed, I believe, in the Eastern Conference. So, if the season ends today, they would be in a play in game. But there's a lot of basketball left, and theoretically, the Bulls could jump higher. It's very possible, but. Um, it has been a really, really interesting week. So, so let's start off with this again with the the losses to Cleveland, and Cleveland has been really good this season. Donovan Mitchell has just been insanely hot. But following that, with some really strong wins against Philly and Brooklyn, and then this game against Utah, where Utah has slowed down a little bit from a really hot start earlier this season, but they are a very surprisingly competitive team and they gave the Bulls a really good shot. So what what stood out to you about the Bulls this week? And are you feeling optimistic about them or maybe cautiously optimistic? Like what's your temperature read right now? Well, I'd say I'm definitely uh, they've they've given me hope. Now, is that false hope? I don't know, but it's definitely this. What they've won eight of the last eleven games, so it's been that kind. Of, and and these, if you look at the schedule, these haven't just been you know low ball wins. Those are the ones they haven't been able to get this year. So these are very impressive wins. These are wins against the Bucks. I mean, what you I think it, you've seen the stat floated around a ton, but uh, against like the Bucks, Heat. Um, what 76ers Nets? all that stuff. I mean, they, they've lost like one game total to, to yeah. some of the, like the top five teams in the league. And that's pretty impressive. So especially when they're kind of stacking those wins over only a couple of weeks span, it kind of shows you like, okay, this team might actually be, um, might actually be legit in some ways. So I think this, the past three wins specifically since the Cleveland, um, those two Cleveland games, uh, the one thing I'll, I'll say about the Cleveland games at least is that, you know, I, the first game was close. Obviously, that came down to both games, honestly, came down to some uh, interesting calls by the, the referees. Uh, now the Bulls still could have put themselves in positions to win in different ways. But those are two games that uh, they could have been demoralizing. But they were also you could have looked at it on um, the flip side, which is, OK, we were close. We were in those. This is a central division rival. You know, they're really good. And uh, and we were in those games. So I think they looked at it from that way. They went into this next these next three games and, and they were able to step up. So to me, I just think this is a team that looks a lot more comfortable. There's a lot greater sense of urgency. Uh, I also think and I'm sure we'll talk about it. Uh, the fact that Zach Levine's playing his best basketball of the season over the past you know, two weeks is, is no coincidence that the team has their best stretch of the season. So the team only goes, I think, as far as he takes them. 
and he's performing at his his best level of the season. So for me, it just comes down to to those things that clearly that go back all the way to that Minnesota uh, situation that sparked something in this team. They understood that they were not playing with a sense of urgency before they're doing that now and they're getting their best player to play like their best player. So that's a big deal. Yeah. I know just like the last saying, you know, that these games they're trying to pick up, um, you know, I noticed they're not too long ago, their record against team teams against five under 500 was like four and eight or something like that. Now they're seven and eight. I know it can maybe things can jump around when other teams uh, end up under 500 that were before above 500. Uh, so maybe that skews a little bit of as far as the wind's concerned. But I know like a team like the Jazz, I feel like I feel like if they haven't worn turning the corner, that this is probably a loss yesterday, and especially especially with them coming out of. A, this is like the third game in, in four nights. You know, you have a lot, you don't have a lot, uh, you know, energy, a lot of uh, ability to, uh, you look like you're, essentially they look like they were gassed midway through the third quarter. They look like they were trying to, starting to run on fumes, um, but they found a way to, you know, get back into the game, take the lead. Obviously we talked about Zach. He looks like Zach again. Um, the, the split between I had tweeted the other day or was yesterday, yesterday uh, just kind of showing his first half of the season and what he's done essentially the second half when you consider because he played seven games and then 18 games. And this was before yesterday's game too. But like the numbers are like stark difference. Like you see the first half, like it was time. And um, I love the candid answer he gave yesterday. Like he's like, look, I knew coming back from surgery, this is going to be a process for me. Essentially, not not verbatim, that's not what he said, but he's essentially said like, yeah, you know, I knew surgery is this, this is going to be a thing I'm going to have to work through. And I was confident in my ability to that. I would get back there. And, I, and, and he's like, you know, he, the, everything that people were saying, he just took it in the chin. And it is what it is. Um, and obviously, lo and behold, like at the start of December, he's been back to his, at least has, what, the way he's shooting and scoring the ball, he's been back to what we know him as the last two years when he's healthy, just absolute elite score in this league efficiency wise shooting the ball everything uh the numbers are like completely different now uh and or his overall number is now when you look at them they're like okay this in this league so yeah th- those are great to see and i know people talk about that minnesota game i think maybe if anything you can argue defensively there was more of a uh awakening uh, well, you know, the funny thing is, I, I thought there were times before even the Minnesota game, there were games where I saw Zach playing good defense. I think the Minnesota game was just a combination of, like, everything. Like, it was an effort. Like, there's some sometimes he was taking, like, tough shots, tougher shots than he should have. Um, I think the rest of the team's effort on defense wasn't there either. Um, maybe, maybe. It became more so about Zach, but it was 
uh, everyone wasn't really on the same page. Like, you don't get up 150 points because of one player, right? Yeah, definitely. No. That, right? To a, to a team that just the whole Zach side of it became um, – it, it became more about Zach just because of his contract, I think, as opposed to it being like the whole team just kind of needed to – have some self-reflection and maybe just yell at each other a little bit <laughs> yeah and you know, get back get back on track and that's what they look like they're doing and that and we'll see like you know the schedule the rest of january is pretty soft comparatively like you know they're all winnable games except for boston's the only tough game really um even the warriors are coming to town they're not that good on the road um and if steph doesn't play that's a bigger bonus uh, I think that's like, I mean, I think Steph is supposed to be back like one game before that, but they're not, it's not like concrete. So maybe he'll miss that game. Um, but even if he doesn't, like I said, you know, that, that Warriors team hasn't been exactly uh, uh, unbeatable like last season. So yeah, th- this, this, this stretch for the January, it's going to be like December they did, catch up a little bit or start playing a little bit better. Um, now going into January, they could come back and maybe even get a hold of the sixth seed. Let's, let's see what happens. But yeah, yeah all those things considered, you know, the things are going pretty decently. Yeah. I, I mean, you could definitely say that the Minnesota game was therapeutic, as you said. Um, in I know people don't want to hear it, but like some people may not want to hear it, but those two Cleveland games, you're potentially good officiating away from being 21 and 19 right now, which right. is considering how the season has gone, you would take that over anything right now. And as you both have said, this January schedule is completely like this is a this is another chance to catch up and to cover ground. So you look at these next, what is it like nine games really? until they play like the Clippers. So theoretically, if you could go maybe six and three in this or seven and two, I don't know, maybe, maybe seven and two was asking for a lot, but I, I think that's a, I but think they just went eight and 11. Yeah. So is it asking for a lot? And the yeah. schedule's easier than it would just was. Yeah. So I don't know if that's asking for well, too much. Maybe, you know? Then maybe I'm, maybe I'm still kind of like <laughs> cautious right here. So maybe I'm still kind of like, I well, don't that's know. That's fair. <laughs> and I think that's, that's especially fair because we talk about how this, this, this stretch of the schedule is their opportunity to, to make up ground. Hmm. Uh, you know, we said that about two weeks ago with the type of dip in the schedule that they had then, and then they lost games to what was it? You know, they're losing those games to the Knicks. They're losing those games to Atlanta. They lose a game to Houston. You know, we saw a uh, that we saw an easier stretch in the past handful of weeks, and they weren't able to do it. And we were looking at that stretch because the stretch after it had these games with Milwaukee and Brooklyn and whatever. So the fact that it's just they've kept up this trend is pretty head scratching. The fact that they have been able to not beat these teams that they've been able to beat in the past. And the ones that got them to the playoffs last year was the fact that they took care of lesser opponents and they weren't able to beat the really good teams. And this year they're beating the really good teams and they can't take care of lesser opponents. <laughs> so does that just even out and end up back where they were, you know, in that six seed range? I don't know. Maybe I don't, this, it, I'm not as optimistic about that happening right now. It seems like they're going to be a playing tournament as of now, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of scary to think about this next stretch because it is a lot easier and it should have a lot more wins. And that's where the team has struggled a lot. I mean, they have the second easiest schedule in the league per, I think, 
both positive residual and, and tankathon. I'm sure they use similar um, algorithms, you know, to assess this. They both have the second easy, have them as having about the second easiest schedule in the league over the rest of the way. And for a team that's struggled as much as they have against below 500 teams, that's actually kind of a worrisome yeah. <laughs> uh, stat right now. Cause it's like, okay, well, what if they do stack a couple wins against bad teams? Is that sense of urgency that has been able to help them so much in recent weeks? Is that going to go away? And then they're, they're back in some trouble. Yeah. It's really helping a lot, like, the the increased defenses. I mean, there does seem to be, like, dialed in a little bit more defensively, though I still think they can get better. But having your best players play like your best players, I think, is just generally what will do it most of the time. I mean, Zach, as we've been talking about, has just been on fire. He's shooting, what, like 64% on catch-and-shoot threes right now, which is insane. Like, he was – in the Philly game, he was just in a in a different zone. And you could tell – you can tell the confidence was there, like even going to like that first play in the Utah game where he just gets the ball and just like pulls up. Like you can tell he's he's in that mindset now and everything is starting to look easy. Like that bounces there. He's driving really well. He's starting to finish really well. Like he he's in his bag right now. So um, with, with Zach playing well, with DeMar playing like DeMar and Vooch who's having an underrated season and he's just been just – extremely efficient like he had a triple double against philly doing it with assists on on it so i i think if the if our top three players are doing this then they can take care of business but just something in the back of my mind is like all right like <laughs> you gotta relax a little bit well yeah i think the deep <laughs> the, the, the the scary thing here is the we talk about the defense right like I mean, the defense has dropped significantly over this this latest stretch. In the beginning of the year, they were starting as one of the better defenses in the league. They were top 10. That was a little bit, um, you know, inflated because of the turnover margin. Uh, and both Caruso and, like, Javante, lead, and they still do, lead the leagues in, like, deflection per games. And the amount of turnovers they were forcing, uh, and I think they were top two in, like, points scored off turnover a game. Um you know, that was inflating their overall defensive rating. But over this recent stretch, you've seen them have like a top five offense and a bottom five defense. And so while they still have, there's no doubt, I mean, just eye test wise, they've played better on the defensive end in this latest stretch. And a lot of that is just want to. A lot of that is, um, yes, hitting your marks, being in the right place at the right time. I mean, I give a lot of credit to DeMar. He's actually had a lot of uh, decent defensive plays in recent weeks. Um, you know, he's taking charges. He's had a couple blocks. Uh, you know, the guys are just where they need to be. And that was not the case last night necessarily uh, against Utah. We saw how open the lane was. I mean, what I think Utah probably had, Utah could have had a season high in ducks. I don't know the exact total. Lowry, I no, know had his no, like, Lowry, de- Lowry definitely had a season oh. high in dunks. Yeah, he had eight, like eight dunks. He was just <laughs> eight. Eight. Well, yeah, it's eight. yeah, like he had yeah. 14 points off of dunks. It's like, it's yeah. insane. Yeah. The lane was uh, wide. He wasn't. I was actually mad too because like he was jumping from spots that he would jump from with the Bulls and totally miss those dunks. But he was just he's there's like a him and Wendell they get a new spring when they're playing the Bulls. I mean, not to say Larry hasn't played great all year. He's gonna be an All Star this year. I mean, if he's not, it's probably uh, he's gonna get snubbed if he doesn't make the All Star this year. But hmm. yeah, it's just fun. It's just funny to see like these guys. Uh, these guys pencil in the bulls because they just definitely want to kill them every time. Yeah. <laughs> like I, you gave up on me. They get that Jimmy Butler in them. You know, they get, they're probably yeah. screaming, Vooch over me. 
<laughs> well, I give credit. I want to just say I give credit to Zach though, because I bet Zach came in with that mindset last night. Like Lowry's playing great, but I they need I need to remind everyone while they picked me, you know. And while Lowry looked good last night, I would say Zach looked better. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. And I'm sure he's been hearing the chirping too. He's like, oh, we well, we should have Lowry instead of Zach, you know. Uh, there has been that talk going around. Um, I'm sure, like I, I you know. Zach is not big of a social media guy. Like he doesn't tweet a lot. Like you, you'll, you'll randomly see him tweet about like the Raiders, um, but he he's not on Twitter. He, he doesn't seem like a, an online guy. Um, but sometimes yeah. he tweets. I wonder how much he does read. Um, I, yeah, I he. I'm sure he's. You know, he like he mentioned like ver, ver, like pretty much said. You know, I took it in the chin and I I, I knew I'd be back to where I was. Um, that's one thing I, I love. Pat, I love Zach's resolve, man. Like he's not afraid. Like people keep talking about him not being a big time player, and you know all the things that people say about him. Uh, you know he never he never lashes out. Like, people say a lot of crappy things about him, like unnecessarily at times too. And he never really lashes out on those criticisms, and he just kind of says, you know, like that's your opinion. And I'm, I got to do what I got to do. And, and he does. He goes about his business. And, you know, people got to start giving this guy credit. Like, coming back from injuries is not easy. And it's not I, his fault I, that he was paid that money. I mean, a lot. It's the, that's the thing I always think is frustrating is when uh, you see uh, a lot of people complain about the paycheck. And while, I, I, to make clear, I understand the paycheck raises expectations. There's no question about that. And if he ever, he's kind of said in the past, like, oh, you know, I don't really need, I don't need to be any different. Well, I'm like, well, the paycheck does at least, you know, put you at a higher level. Make it, it kind of insinuates that you're supposed to be even more of a leader. But having said that, when people get just mad about the fact that he's making the money that he's making now, it's not your money. <laughs> you should want ownership of your of your favorite team, like fans, uh, to uh, pay up to keep star talent. Because if Levine, if they didn't pay Levine, another team was going to pay him similar money, you know, max money to come to their team. So you sometimes just have to meet market value. And I think it's silly sometimes when uh, when fans are, are using that as the as the point of complaint. Now, if you want to say it like he needs to, there's no question he needs to play better and keep improving and and uh, and perform at a high level. But at the same time, uh, it's it, that shouldn't be the the target, the source of the, of the criticism. Is like, look how much money he's making. It's like, well, you know, so that's just the way the NBA works. Yeah, I, I've uh, I've noticed a lot less uh, two fifteen. <laughs> Is it two ten, two fifteen? I've noticed a, a lot less of that uh, whenever I scroll the timeline. Now it's just kind of like people are just kind of shut up. Like I, I think Selena's <laughs> right that Zach has. Zach has always had to find ways to overcome different narratives in his Bulls tenure and even really in his NBA career, if we're being honest. He, he comes into the league as, oh, he's just a dunker, like just a six-man dunker. And then it's like, okay. Well, so talk about him being only a dunker. Like ESPN yeah. the other day for the Phillies game, uh, the only highlights they showed Zach was dunking. It's like, dude, he had 11 threes. <laughs> like, what are you guys showing? Yeah. It, it, it's just, <laughs> he, he's always had to overcome. It's just, he's a dunker. Like, oh, he, he had an ACL injury. He's never going to be the same. Oh, he's never going to live up to the Sacramento contract that we just matched. Oh, he had a good season, but it was because of a pandemic and there was no fans in the crowd. He can't do it again. Okay, he's an all-star again, but he's not worth the max. Okay, he's not worth the max. Like he, he's 
he'll never be able to live up to that contract and be an all-star. Like it's always some new pivot to Zach Levine. And he just keeps shutting it up each and every time. And you just realize when you, when you watch him play, like you watch him play against Philly, you watch him play against Utah and you see this elite scoring ability that really only a few players in the league, like a handful of players in the NBA are capable of replicating. Like yeah, the he, three level stuff is I mean, I don't yeah. think people understand just how, you know, special that is. Like he he's not a he's a great three point shooter, yes, but he's not just a three point shooter. And then everyone talks about him being a dunker. He still does that, but he's not just a dunker. You know, he can finish at an elite level around the rim. And he's got a he's got an okay mid range game to him. It's never been that efficient. But, you know, he's it, it's the three level stuff that only a few players can you know, can do in this league. And that's why he was paid the money. Like at the end of the day, is he a perfect player? No. Is he on the level of, you know, these Giannis, Luca, those type of guys? No, he's not. But you don't, I want to go back to, again, that's not how the NBA works. Like you get paid, you get paid what the market says you're going to get paid at the time. And that's what you get paid. And he's still one of the best scorers in this league. And to pay or to keep something of that, of that quality and of that, uh, you know, of that, high level you just have to you have to pay up for it so yeah. I, yeah, I don't think he gets enough credit for exactly just how kind of gifted he is as an all-around player there's no question he still needs to improve in areas i think his turnovers still can go down i think his defense obviously is always a point of conversation but when he goes on stretches like we've seen the past couple of days i think it just reminds everybody like oh okay no this is why this guy has made it been an all-star the past couple of years this is why this guy was borderline all nba if he didn't get hurt you know, the, um, you know, if he didn't get, uh, have the knee trouble, like last year, he could have been all NBA. So if, and, and that's the thing, if we're, if he's all NBA, is the, is the conversation a little bit different around him? Maybe because that stuff doesn't matter to a lot of people and especially analysts around the league. But uh, yeah, I just think he doesn't necessarily get enough credit, but at the same time, maybe it's the fact that he doesn't get enough credit. That's, that's a good thing. And that's kind of like what you're getting at, right? It's like, mm-hmm. he's always been able to, to, to improve and improve people wrong. And in a lot of ways, maybe he needs that. No. Yeah, I know it's and for sure it could be it could be that he keeps a, keeps a chip on his shoulder. Um, one thing I'll say about his defense is like that's the only thing that annoys me is like look, I have, there's no doubt you, the criticism of uh, of his off off ball defense is consistent. The awareness constantly being making sure that he's rotating over, especially a lot of times his his crutches um, on on the on the backside rotating over there. And making sure that you know, rotating over with when one of the bigs are stepping up to stop the ball. But like, I hate the people that constantly always talk about he plays zero defense. Like, well, like what? What are you guys watching? Like the the idea he's a completely like like a Trey Young level defender. It's like you guys are are you guys actually understanding what defense is in the NBA, or are you guys just keep going off of lazy narratives? that because you don't like Zach Levine and you see other people that agree with you that they don't like Zach Levine say the same dumb thing, oh, he plays zero defense. So, yeah, that, I'm, that's the narrative I'm just going to stick with. It's it's so annoying. It's it's an annoying thing. And, and his on ball is actually okay. His on ball is yeah, not as bad uh, as people think it is. Like if when he, he, Sometimes he's a little lazy, but if he wants to, he can guard yeah. that. And like, and like, I'll say this: like, I, I would say overall, he's below average, you know. And he has the ability to be a positive on defense. Like we've seen him, if he can consistently keep his his lapses off ball, 
uh, out of the way. And we've seen we've seen him have complete games of good defense too. Like we've seen him like have full games where he's like, man, Zach was just on point defensively today. Um, so yeah, like that narrative. I don't know when that if that's ever really going to go away that he doesn't do anything on defense. He gives zero effort on defense. Probably, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it never will. Um, maybe, maybe like at an hour joke, joke. Maybe when he goes to another team, yes, uh, it'll, it'll go away because no. people in Chicago will start liking him, and and everyone will start noticing him more. It's like, oh, well, he's playing with uh, another star, so now everything is uh, everything. He's just got he's just so much better now. You know, like yeah. okay, no, if if you. It remains true. If you want to see a Bulls player completely appreciated, trade him to another team and just wait. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's. I mean, just look at look at Wendell Lowry. Look at anybody in the past. Yeah, yeah it, it will. Yeah, it will like uh, the Wendell discourse pisses me off so much because, like, I would always defend Wendell. Uh, shout out to my guy uh, Chris Amundsen, who's been who's one of the biggest Wendell fans out there to this day. Um. You know, Chris has been on our show so many times, but like the the Wendell Carter discourse is the funniest discourse to me because like everyone like I feel like eighty percent of Bull Twitter was just absolutely done with him. Like they just hated him. He was a bust, and I can't believe we got this bum. That was like the general like conversation around Wendell, and then all of a sudden you trade him. Like, man, I can't believe we traded him for Vooch. What? What like Vooch sucks? No, it's like shut up. Like just this this time last year, you guys were like completely dogging Wendell, and now you're dogging Vooch. It's like look, and like, we've talked about the Vooch trade to ad nauseum. Like you get it, you know they ended up giving up too much, uh, in particular when you consider the draft picks. But I just find that that I've always I'll always find that funny. T- to me that are so adamant on crapping on Wendell when they were here all of a sudden just decided to say, you know, like, you know, we gave up a really good piece in Wendell for him. It's like, okay, all right, guys, relax. Like, let's let's not be revisionists now with your aches. <laughs> yeah, I, I think with like with with, with the young players and, and we've talked about like how and and we we had a uh, we had Mark Schindler on, right? And Mark Schindler talked to Wendell Carter himself and talked about how, and Wendell was talking about how he would not be the player he is today if he had not gone to Orlando. And we talked about how, like, basketball is kind of just like any other job where sometimes you need to bounce around a little bit to develop and really kind of figure out your game and kind of figure out your skills to really become the player you 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 are. And as our friend uh, uh, Big Dave has said, Lowry is home now in Utah. He is absolutely home. <laughs> he is <laughs> this is this is home for him. Like he is he is there, yeah. but confidence is there. He has that bounce. Like he looks focused. He looks very sure of himself. And I'm happy for him. Like it, hey, it, it was last year where we were celebrating getting a first round pick for Lowry. We did not think we could get a first round pick for Lowry, but it just shows you how things can change when players move around a little bit. Sometimes that trade is a little bit of an awakening and they can get better. So like uh, you know, kind of speaking on that like same topic of young players developing and starting to figure themselves out a little bit. 
we look on the current Bulls team with Patrick Williams and Kobe White. And it, it seems like more and more lately, at least over the past maybe 20 games, I think, they have become a little – they've become more, I think, instrumental in the team bouncing back. I, I think Kobe White is shooting the ball really well. Patrick Williams, I, I've been really excited to see him – take like at least be more assertive in the way he plays like movements are starting to look more natural he's starting to take these shots and not hesitate and he's shooting the ball really well I think he's at what like four threes a game and making a little bit more than like I think he's making like 1.4 a game 42 percent yeah yeah, 42 percent and the three ball looks good so yeah that's been a big addition to the lineup so what do you think about how Patrick Williams and Kobe White have looked so far in this recent stretch of Bulls play? Yeah, so I think I, for me, I, I wrote about Patrick um, about earlier this week. I think it was just like two days ago. And, you know, the big the, the way I kind of started that post is what I just think is so important for people to keep in mind is like, you know, I talked about how, you know, when a baby first walks, the baby's not doing like parkour the next day. When a kid rides, you know, first learns to ride his bike, he's going to fall down a couple of times. When you start a new job, uh, what was it? Like when you start a new job, you, you're you not going to know right away how to like kiss up to your boss, right? Like you need to like feel things out. And I just think that when you look at somebody like Patrick Williams, we talk about like progress isn't linear, right? And I take that line from uh, from over at, at Bleacher Nation, my boss, Brett, like, he he's always used that when describing especially baseball in in, in uh, development in baseball but progress isn't linear and when we see these flashes from Patrick Williams we do have to really think about them and and really like dissect them for what they are like we have to look at the Brooklyn Nets game closely and then he follows that up with a really strong game the night uh, or the next game too when he drops 18 points so he falls 22 with 18 like these are these are a big deal when he's taking these steps and because he's still 21 years old and I know people get so frustrated when you go back to the age thing, but it's true. You know, he's third season in the league. He's 21. He missed basically his entire second year in the league. And guys, as we have, all we need to do is point to Wendell, point to Lowry in recent history. And you can see how guys develop at different rates. So for Patrick, I think these last couple of games have been a particularly big deal to me. I have never seen him look this comfortable uh, on a basketball court that was kind of uh, what I really focused on in, in um, my post a couple of days ago after the Nets game. I just haven't seen him work in the confines of the Bulls offense, particularly or in particular like that. He was, he knew where he was supposed to be. He was moving, you know, even if he was just sliding off the ball, he was sliding into the open lane. You just look at little, it's like little moments like when, uh, you know, he's in the dunker spot and he just dips over underneath the rim so Vooch can throw it over to him and he can get an easy land. When he's able to slide in uh, over to the wing and he's behind the arc and he can just catch that ball and shoot it. Like, or just when he realizes that Seth Curry's on him and he's like, okay, you know what, I have the confidence now to take him off the dribble real quick and then hit this mid-range over him. Like, these are little moments for him that he's starting to realize how he can fit in because they're all there for him. They've always been there for him. I know that Zach's there. I know DeMar is there. I know Vooch is there. And that's been, a, and he's talked about it, Patrick. That's a big thing for him in the past. Like, how do I play with these all-stars? How do I know how to get mine when these big players are on the court? And I want to make sure I get them the ball. I want to make the right basketball play. Well, the right basketball play and what helps the team the most is when you get a fourth guy going or when the fourth guy has, you have to, you, you know, you get concerned about him. So he has to take advantage of his opportunities. And this is the, this is now the stretch over the past couple of weeks 
where I feel like he's done that more than ever before. And we've also seen, you know, he had what seven for seven free throw um, performance against Brooklyn. That was him playing at a more aggressive uh, level than we've seen. And he has the body to do that. He always has like his frame is, I don't think people fully understand. Maybe they do. If you watch him on the defensive end, like just how, elite like his body is <laughs> like it's an insane you know build that he he plays with and he can really if he just learns to to use that in the post and and also just pick up steam downhill like he can get to the free throw line a lot more too so I think it's been a really encouraging display from a lot of different angles specifically uh, on the offensive end I just think he's understanding hey this is how I can fit into the equation and I know that that's the thing I know it's not the most technical answer but I don't think it needs to be when you describe like his recent success. It's just confidence. It's starting to understand the game a little bit. I know it's cliche to, to say, but things look like they're slowing down. He's seeing things move a little bit in real time and, and, and understanding where to be on the court to best help out uh, whoever is on the court with him. So encouraging stuff. Obviously, he kind of followed it up with a stinker last night against the Jazz, but I'll give him a, you know, it's back end of a back, uh, back-to-back. Also, Voot and what, DeMar and Levine combined for like 71 points. So that was just their night. He was like, I'll let you guys cook. And we'll see how he continues. But this has been, uh, I think, an encouraging stretch that because of his youth and because of how development works in general, we can't just brush aside and say, ah, well, it's just another flash, whatever. Well, those flashes can be important when we're talking about somebody this young. Yeah, I, and I'll say it for last night, like, he was having a tough game, but, like, it's, it's great to see that he when he got those passes out to him behind the arc, he didn't hesitate to shoot the ball. He had two big three-point shots. You know, he, he didn't, he didn't uh, think twice about it. And, uh, you know, an, an underrated aspect of him is, I think, being teammates of DeMar DeRozan, it's probably been one, probably one of the best things that happened to him in his young career, like start of his career. Like you, you're seeing Demar saying he's going to get cussed out if he passes up shots. Like, like Demar sees it. He needs tough love. Like Demar notices that. Like well, this guy needs tough love, and he needs to be, you know, pushed uh, the right way. And to pass credit, he responds to that kind of love, tough love. Um, he's another guy I wonder, like, he doesn't seem like an online guy either. Like, I, I'm hoping he doesn't pay attention to all the chatter about him. Uh, he, he just stays off, you know, and that, another thing you got to give him credit for, um, he was obviously getting absolutely killed for that, uh, box out and against, against the Cavs. And, you know, there's, there's different interpretations of that box out that, not being on pad because obviously what uh, Mitch was allowed to kind of cheat um, and beat Pat to a, to a spot uh, because of the lane violation that wasn't called. But then other people saying, well, you know, Pat should still been able to box him out or whatever. Uh, and you can argue if it, whether it was or wasn't his, his fault. You got to give him credit for coming on with that Philly game. Like, no, no, no phase. You know, like, hey, I messed up, took it a chin. Let's come back. Let's redeem ourselves. And let's let's play great again. And like you guys, like you said, Elias, you know, it's been something that I've been saying too. And uh, you know, progress isn't always linear. It, it, you have to see it all play out, especially on a young guy. This he's played like I keep mentioning, like he's had one point five seasons worth of games under his belt. 
how, like the people that say I'm completely out on him, like how, like what? With what, a changing roster, here? with a changing roster, by the way, because the roster yeah. completely after his first year, and he didn't get to play with them last year. Yeah. And changing roster and and missing training camps, two training camps. My mind, obviously, the first one because of the pandemic. The second one because he got hurt. Uh, he had an ink spray. Like last season, which is uh, a disaster for him injury wise, because he got that uh, that ankle in- injury, ankle sprain. Uh, during, I think it was like the first week of practice. So he missed essentially the hollow training camp, a remainder of training camp, which would have been beneficial. Then he obviously had that shoulder stinger that affected him a little bit. And you saw kind of him bouncing back in the beginning of last season. And then obviously he ends up getting a season, um, mostly a season ending injury. He came back later and played a few games and showed some stuff. But like I said, you know, that's all that time, that's development time that you miss. So it's, it is what it is. The process, you know, other player I'll, on another team will talk about uh, with where, where people are like starting to give up on him. And, and certainly there's things that he needs to improve on and develop on. But Scotty Barnes, it's funny, you know, he was rookie of the year last year. This season, he's having a really tough season, uh, second year of like a sophomore year slump. And everyone's like, just like, are you out on Scotty? He's like, how are you? How can you be out on these guys? You can't. Like, I, I can understand if they're like 24, 25 and they're still doing these things. Okay. Maybe at that point it's like, you know what? This guy is, is what it is. Maybe he maybe he can figure out just to be a a niche player uh and have something in this league where he can just contribute a little bit off the bench. But it's like, man, like we gotta we gotta have more patience and just more. Uh, understanding that all this takes time and and not everyone can just come in and be Luca, be, you know, uh, whoever, Zion or whatever. Certain type of players are ready to play and can play big right away. Others take a little bit. They take time and, and having the right development, right people around them uh, is part of the process too. You Like you, we talked about like with Wendell and Lowry, like imagine if if they had a, a solid guy like De- DeMar on, on the roster or like if the Bulls, for example, had traded for Chris Paul when, when AK first got here. Just an example. I would imagine those two guys are probably still Bulls and their development has looked curve looks better uh, with the Bulls than it did some that they got traded. You know, all that, all those things can factor in as well. So, yeah, it just you just, we just gotta have patience and we gotta see these young guys you know, give them time. Yeah, You know, they, 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 they deserve it. They deserve time. And I'll, I'll give Patrick Williams credit on this on this front because at the beginning of a season, we were talking about bringing him off the bench as a way that could potentially help his development a little bit, getting to like go against second units and maybe like not have that like pressure of trying to like fit his game around like the, the big three on his team. But he's been able to do this while staying as a starter. So I, I think that's pretty impressive to me that he's been able to figure out his game while while not coming off the bench and he, he's been a lot better for it so I, I think for me the only thing is that 
will, will Patrick Williams ever live up to being like a a traditional fourth overall pick? I don't know, but I think he can still be a solid player. And I've always I, I've always said like if he could be like maybe eighty ish percent of what Luol Dang was at his peak. I think I would be fine with that overall in terms of what that means to a basketball team. That might not work for some others, but I think that's a pretty solid player, like a solid two-way player who can hit a three, play good defense, guard your best guy. I'll take that. I don't think he's going to be Kawhi Leonard or something like that, and who is, but if he can be that type of player and we're starting to see signs of him growing into that and he's getting that confidence, and like Elias said, the game is starting to slow down for him, and he's not hesitating. He, he he's involved more. His defense has been more consistent, and I, I I think we have to take this. Like this is a really solid outcome for like like you said, Celine, for a player who's only played like one point five seasons worth of games technically. Yeah, I think yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think what you said too about the uh, or like eighty percent of Luol Deng. I think I haven't heard that. Like I haven't heard the comparison before, and I think that's like that is a great one. I mean, if he can be that type of uh, player for you, I think, I think fans should be super happy about it. I mean, we have to remember Dang was like, it was, you know, borderline all-star uh, caliber player consistently. So I, but yeah, I, I agree. I think for him, we, and we have to remember too, that uh, kind of like what I say about Zach and it's not some of the, the criticism he gets not, is not necessarily his fault. It's same thing with Pat. I don't think it's his fault that he was drafted fourth overall it's not his fault that the Bulls decided to, you know, because I have a lot of thoughts about the front office, and uh, and I give the I give the front office credit in some ways. I won't go on a tangent about it, but there's other things that I question. And you know, one of the things that I question is not necessarily drafting Patrick Williams, but you drafted Patrick Williams knowing that uh, a lot of these other changes were coming with your roster to be in win now mode, and he was the the second youngest what NCAA prospect in the draft or the youngest. Um, so. I think to me that that's just that those things don't line up, right? Like if you want Patrick Williams to develop in a, a quicker way, he needs to be on a bad team getting the ball all the time. And, you know, he needs to just be going through the motions and learning. And I don't think it's, uh, it's bad to be on a winning team and develop. It's just, you're not going to see the results that you want from a player of that caliber at that time. I mean, it's, you know, we can have similar conversations about like a James Wiseman. I'm not comparing the two. Wiseman might not be very good. <laughs> that definitely is a possibility. But what was he? He's drafted to a team that's supposed to win a championship the next year. And it's like, hey, dude, if you're coming in and you look like a super young rookie, like who just can't produce on a championship level team, you're not going to play a lot or, you know, you're going to have a hard time finding your role. So it, it, some guys just they need the on-court rep. So that's why I definitely agree with the point that it's impressive that he's been able to do this on the court in the starting lineup. That shouldn't be overlooked. Uh, but the fact that he's had to do it like that can slow things down and can also open yourself up to more criticism. So the front office kind of put him in this weird position. He didn't come in ready. Everyone around the league agreed. This was like a very intriguing, but very raw prospect. He was a six man uh, over at Florida state People shouldn't hold that against him. He played really well there. He played a lot of minutes. He played starting caliber minutes there. But he wasn't coming in NBA ready. And he and no one should have ever thought that he was. He may have had that body, but he wasn't. He didn't have that mind to be NBA ready. And I think that has been part of the concern. But we need to put all that into context because the team put him in that situation. And I don't think it's his fault that he hasn't been able to get caught up to speed 
in the way that some want him to be. Yeah, no, a- a- absolutely. And, you know, you know, talking about how this team has really been focused on winning and we'll, we'll kind of shift into this from Patrick Williams to more so looking at the direction that this team is potentially going in as we approach well, we, we are basically at the halfway point of the season with uh, at 41 games. So, um, at, you know, as we talked about 19 and 21 and in in the play in mix, a, a few games out of that that six seed. This stretch has been very encouraging in terms of like what this team could do the rest of the season. And with, with Lonzo Ball still out and. You know, you, there's been some injuries with, with some veterans who've been missing some games, but th- this team is in a really interesting position where they are not clear buyers, but they're also not clear sellers either. They could really go in either direction depending on what they want to do. But I think theoretically, you would look at what they're doing right now and say, okay, they should be buying. So, uh, Elias, what do you? What do you think of the direction this team should really be taking as we approach the NBA trade deadline? Should they be looking at some some shakeups with this team? Like I've seen some ideas where people have talked about maybe you would throw, you know, Vooch out there and see what you can do. Maybe you would kind of like change the dynamic of the team that way and shop his expiring contract, see if you can get a little younger, see if you can get maybe better defensively and see what happens there. Um, I, I don't know if DeMar is still going to be on the on the block at this point unless the Bulls just slide back into what they were doing uh, maybe a month or so ago. Zach Levine, probably not. It would probably have to take something really, really good to, to part ways with him. And then I, I guess the, there's other players on the team who could maybe draw interest but would not get you anything significant. So... What what do you think about what the Bulls can do to potentially make their team better? Like, are, are they looking to do that? Are they looking to sell on some players? Like, what do you think they should do? Yeah, so I think, and I'm ho- I'm hoping I try to be consistent about this, right? Because there was so much tank talk earlier in the year, and I was I was trying my best on the site to like not be emotional about it and step back and and really try to um you know try to be consistent about this thought. And I've never hopped on board the 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 tank route. I, I just didn't think it made sense for the way the team was currently constructed, uh, especially with the pick being gone. I know a lot of people are like, you shouldn't worry. You just can't worry. You're in a point where you can't worry about that pick anymore and whatever. But I just think with the pick going to Orlando, top four protected, there was no chance of you getting a top four pick, or at least it was so slim that you shouldn't pursue the tank. And this was more a season that you had to ride out. And and that doesn't, and, and I'll, I'll touch on this in a second, that doesn't I mean, don't make moves, but I just mean you have to, if you want to do a tank or if you want to do a blow it up, I think you had to wait until the off season and just kind of see what, what happened. And the reason you had to see what happened is because of what we see now, which is things coming together, the team looking a little bit better and some pieces making more sense, whether it be Levine looking a lot better, whether it be Levine and DeRozan being able to play with one another, Patrick Williams is starting to show some more signs again. Uh, so I think it's it's good that they've been able to get past this stretch so they can they can see things through. But with all that said, uh, that doesn't mean that this front office should sit on their hands or that there should be an excuse for them not to do anything. Because there's no question, and I don't care like if they're eight and eleven in their last you know their this recent stretch, whatever it may be, or eight one eight of eleven. It's 
this roster is still not good enough. This roster still has some big problems. The, the fact that they didn't invest in three-pointing over the offseason was, uh, you know, was like befuddling. I don't know why they didn't do that. And it was something that they even talked about at the end of offseason. So the fact they didn't add three-point shooting was was like reckless almost. And the rim protection thing, you're, you were never going to solve the rim protection problems with uh, with Andre Drummond. He solved some rebounding issues, but you're see we're all seeing it's he's a matchup dependent guy in a lot of ways. He's not even playing in some games. They have more success small and in small ball. So I'm glad they added another big. He's played well at times, but he wasn't solving your your defensive issues necessarily. Wow. Wow. And then you know Dragic, Goran Dragic like has been a good addition, but he's still not that facilitator necessarily that you need you need someone in with Lonzo Ball being out to help guys like Levine Moore off the ball and things like that. So there have been uh, a lack of of decision making here that's definitely hurt this team and it's and it's just only made more glaring the holes that they have. So to to more focus on uh, exactly what you're asking about like the deadline coming up and things like that, I still think you have to make moves. I initially my initial thought was you don't sell, but if you want to take a step back this season and things, because things kept spiraling, that's fine. But I never thought this front office was going to go full blow it up. They were going to take a step back and uh, maybe try to add some pieces that would still help them win next year, knowing it wasn't going to do much this year. And I still kind of see that as an option. But now I do think they will add to try to win more games this year. And I think that will be, you know, looking for more three-point shooting. I think that could be, you talk about Vooch. The Vooch thing is interesting because the the last thing you want to do, and we saw it when they tried to initially add Vooch, right? Because they thought we're going to add Vooch and make the play-in tournament. The thing is when you add somebody that big or like that, you know, that big of a player into the mix midseason, rarely does it work out like to the point where your team is competing at the higher level that you want them to compete at. So because uh, there's there's learning curve that comes with it, right? We saw it with James Harden and Joel Embiid in a lot of ways. Like it's a big deal that they get that they added James Harden, but it's going to take some time for that to, for the, for the dynamic of that to be able to to figure itself out on the court. So it's scary the idea of maybe replacing Vooch right now because it's like, okay, well if this team's figuring out, does that mess with the chemistry? What's that going to look like? But at the same time, maybe you don't have time to think about that because. He's going to be a free agent this year. Are you extending him? I don't think they are. I don't. I don't necessarily see a world where it makes a lot of sense, uh, unless they, you know, find. I don't know. Unless the defense picks up, but I just think finding a, a younger big man with uh, who makes more of a defensive impact makes some sense. So I definitely think that uh, shopping Vooch still could be on the table, especially if you know maybe like a guy like Miles Turner enters the conversation. Um, I don't know if, if uh, Pearl over in, in San Antonio, if there's a way to like land him, I think there's definitely a world where um, they consider it this, at, at this off or at this halfway point. And yeah, so I do, I, I think, I don't know, that's a long way of, of answering the question and it's kind of a lot thrown in there, but to me, I do think they will pursue ad- upgrades. They will pursue, um, you know, additions, but it's just they're just going to have to feel it out because they are in a weird spot, especially with someone like Vooch being a free agent and things like that and with them staying in win-now mode. Like, I think the only thing I can say definitively is I don't think this team, and I've never really thought that this team is going to go in the full tank mode and the full sell-it-off mode. The only way that they would do anything of the sort is just to take a step back this year and, you know, and and – build up for next year, maybe like the Portland trailblazers did last year, you know, things like that. So um, I, and that, and that option is now even less on the table with them being back in the plan mix. I think with the plan tournament, we've seen it. It makes a lot of teams. um, It makes a lot of teams just add at the deadline. And 
the last thing I'll say is anybody who's wanted to tank for Wemby, I think you got to just throw that out the window now. It's not, it's not happening. They've now won too many games in the last couple of weeks, and they already had won too many. There's already teams out tanking them. So it wasn't going to happen before, and now it's especially not happening. So I think either get behind waiting for the offseason or get behind adding at, at the trade deadline. Yeah, I was basically at a point where I was like, fine with blowing it up because they were tied for the fifth worst record. And I was like, look, you do it right now. You can try to maximize your – you can get a lot of picks for guys like DeMar and Zach, get maybe something for a boot, even if it's like two seconds. Uh, AC would definitely get you at least a first-round pick. Um, so to me, I was like, you know, let's do it. But they obviously started playing a lot better. And, and yeah, the – the reality is, like, what we wanted was never going to really happen. Like, if you wanted to blow it up, because the, even at that point, the Bulls weren't far out of the plan. And if they're in plan in that vicinity of there even being potentially two playing games or whatever, um, that's enough for the ownership to be like, you know what? This is good enough for me to not want you guys to blow it up and we can – you know, this gets us additional revenue <laughs> for profits. And that's what we want. We want to get into the playoffs to get profits. So that's that reality of, you know, how this organization operates. So it was, okay, they're not going to blow it up. Um, to me, like, you can't ride the fence with this team. But, like, you have to add something. You absolutely have to. The we can we can keep making excuses. Oh well, they could just couldn't do anything when the trade deadline comes, and if they stand pat again. But it's like there's always something you can do. There just is, and if there's like any type of shooting that they can add, that is like a must to me. Like that'll open up so much more spacing for Zach if he can add at least one shooter. I mean, realistically, this team probably needs like two or three. But I don't know. I don't know how. That's not realistic to be able to do that. Do that this season, mid season, unless like, unless it's on like the buyout market because they just still have their full mid level exception. And again, they're gonna have to get authorization to use that from ownership. Um, the other thing I've been talking about is like, look, Lonzo Balls. I don't think Lonzo Ball is playing this season, and I think it could be smart of them just to say, you know what, he's out. Now let's go apply for a for a medical exception for Alonzo Ball, who's going to miss the season, and that gives them additional money to try to add somebody to this roster. Um, things like that. So, like I said, they need to add shooting. And and to me, like uh, again, I'll repeat, you can't ride the fence. You just cannot. You can't say, well, we're just continuing doing the continuity continuity route, and just we're just going to go in to the second half of the exact same roster we have, no additional improvements, you know, we're just going to ride it out. Like, no, you can't do that. And if they do that, I'm going to, I'm going to like completely blast AK. Yeah. And, you can't and, do that. And Mark Eversley. I'm going to blast them because it's, it's absurd. You, I get you have an ownership group that, that limits you in, in ways with spending, but you can still maneuver ways to, to add something um, to this team that, can give you some kind of upgrade to your roster. I'll like, throw can, can I throw something like, like a Jay yeah. Crowder or something like that, you know? Right. 
Uh, well, I was gonna say, can I throw? I'm gonna throw. I'll just throw out a couple of like these are non-sexy names, but guys that I right. think could be like obtainable are old friend Dougie McBuckets, still shooting above forty percent right. from the three on high volume. Uh, the Spurs aren't gonna need him. He's gonna be a trade candidate. Uh, same thing with Josh Richardson. He's actually playing better again this year, and uh, you know he's kind of a theoretically a two-way guy he that the Miami Heat stuff was overblown and then he he dropped off after that but he's also hitting the three ball uh, decently well and he could play some defense Alec Burks on Detroit is a name that I think um, you know we should keep a name or I keep eyes on uh Gary Harris with Orlando and obviously they have history getting deals done with Orlando um you know and then I, like a guy like Cam Johnson even like they don't they there's been weird stuff about them not wanting to pay him like I, there's just Reggie Bullock, like there's guys out there who aren't making a ton of money right now who could be obtainable. And, you know, some of those guys are going to have different prices, of course, but they're non-sexy names. And I mean, Cam Johnson would be like an ideal situation. That's, I don't think that's happening, but there's like non-sexy names out there that you can go target that can fill an actual need for you on this team that aren't filling the, you might not think much because they don't, they're either on a bad team. They're not filling a need for their current team, but they can fill a pretty big, big need here. And, there's going to be a lot of those guys uh, in, you know, around and either maybe you hop into a multi-team deal and you just grab one or it, it's those kind of names that are going to be like trade pops up on, uh, you know, around the trade deadline. People are like, eh, whatever, you know, like it's, it's like, okay, fine. But that, that player could actually help this team a lot. And another a player I think we should keep an eye on for, for the trade market from the bulls part is uh, from the bulls perspective. And we didn't talk about him a ton earlier, but like Kobe white, you know, they, they have to pay coming up this offseason. And the fact that he's actually hitting some big shots as of late, and I know it feels counterintuitive to kind of trade a three-point shooter, but at the same time, if they can trade someone for, you know, who seems like he's a better fit long-term and just plays a little bit more defense, although to Kobe's credit, he's, he's played a little harder this year. Still, the whole point is Kobe's going to have to get paid soon. And it seems like they're not going to pay him. And, uh, and if they don't pay him, he's probably going to be somebody that uh, can go to maybe a rebuilding team that has one of these guys who are willing to hand up his next contract and see what he can do. So uh, that's just all stuff I've been thinking about recently. And I'm going to write about soon over uh, at Bleacher Nation. Like those are some, some names to keep in mind and, and scenarios to, to think about, but I think shooting is going to be the biggest topic of conversation uh, around the deadline, just because of Vooch things harder to, to think about, but uh, shooting is the most glaring hole. Yeah, I think I was just going to say Kobe, like, is very interesting because, like, you can't trade Kobe just for, like, a second rounder. His value is more than that. Like, he's played himself into a, some sort of having a value, and the only reason that's hindering his value more so is his restrictive free agency going into season. And and maybe that that is a selling point to a team, too, that is interested in keeping Kobe long-term because that gives the ability to match a contract. And the other other thing to think wonder is too is like how much um, how much is Kobe going to garner in free agency? Like, could would it make sense for the Bulls to say, "Hey, Kobe, we'll give you two years, sixteen million." Like, it, not let him walk for nothing. If you keep him at the deadline, you can't find a trade partner for him. Does it make sense? Like, I don't know. Like. Yeah, it's awfully tough because you have such a lot in the backcourt. But, like, again, Lonzo is such up in the air. Will he be back? Like, Dragic is not going to be back next season. So that's going to open up minutes for Kobe, at least. Um, I don't think it's out of the question at all. I just – I, I want to say it's just from, like, I don't know. I, I know, 100%. I, 
I, I 100% agree. I, not 100%, I'm saying I agree with you in the sense that, yeah, it's hard to see Kobe being back. But at the same time, it's like, if you don't trade him, you know, like, are they going to get the value they want from it at that deadline? Because, like, I think so the offseason, the rumor was they were trying to get Greg Williams, uh, not Greg Williams, Grant Williams from Boston for Kobe or something like that. Like, yeah, there was some kind of scenario like that. So that's, like, so I, I doubt their ask is going to go completely down to, like, okay, well, we'll accept, like, a middling second rounder for you. Uh, especially because he does add, he is he is a shooter. He can hit, hit he can hit the three ball, um, and he, he's shown improvement as a playmaker too. Like like his, you see his handles have improved, and you're seeing like him when he's driving to the basket. He's not just tunnel vision anymore. Like he's making plays as well. So to me that that to me at least it's, it says that look we're we can't just drop you for nothing, and if we don't trade you. Uh, depending on what your market is, and, and maybe it makes sense for Kobe to say, look, I'll take a short-term, smaller deal and play myself into a big deal in a couple of years because I'm still young enough where if I can, if if I'm going to be able to be that sole, like, rotate in the rotation, like, you know, the like I, like I said, I imagine Dragic is not going to be back next season. Um and then that gives Kobe even more minutes. And if he continues to build from that, that shows more for him. And the Bulls can then maybe trade him still uh, to another team uh, because the value again goes up at that point. So, yeah, that's going to be a very interesting thing with Kobe. And like I said, what does also the other thing to consider is what does a combination of the Portland pick and Kobe get? Can that get you a solid upgrade in a, in a position of me, like more of a wing, a bigger wing that can kind of play solid team defense. Like he doesn't have to be a lockdown defender, but then also kind of space the floor. I don't know if that's a realistic possibility at all. Like it would, is Cam Johnson, does that get you Cam Johnson? I don't know. Um, probably um, not, but uh, it just, yeah, there's things. But I don't know because Cam like Johnson that. needs to get paid too, you know, so that's the thing. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Cam Johnson is going to get more than Kobe. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so that could be a benefit that okay, well, Kobe's not going to get paid as much. We can retain him for a smaller deal, and we can get a potential first round pick for Cam. So that could be a situation like, okay, well, let's let's do this. Let's trade him, and then and then at that point, the Bulls end up with you know Pat and Cam Johnson, who have two big four, three slash fours. Uh, coming off that bench, and I don't know that where I mean, obviously, Javante would still get minutes here or there, but you know, that helps the Bulls, yeah. I'm so I'm I'm definitely interested in seeing what players do end up becoming available. I like the guys that you that uh that you you were listing. I'll throw some other names out there, I have no idea if they're available or not. So, uh, anyone listening to, to this, please don't kill me if. You know, it costs so much to get them. But, like, um, a, a guy Salim has mentioned in, in the past before, P.J. Washington. Yeah, um, he's on my list. Uh, Jalen McDaniels is another option. I mean, Charlotte is kind of – I mean, I know both of those guys in the last year of their contract. So, um, Charlotte should trade a lot of players, yeah. Yeah, and they, and they don't cost a whole lot of money. So, you know, right. it might be easier to match up contracts and, you know, assets. So that those could be some options as well. Um 
who who was somebody else I was looking at. I, I like the Alex Bur- uh, Alec Burks mention, and I I do like the the idea of Jay Crowder. Like I like I like the idea. Right, of a, I love yeah, Jay Crowder's fit. Yeah, yeah I, I think that would be good. Like he he can play like the three four. Like he's a he's a proven vet. Like he he did when he was traded to. Uh, I, think it was Miami like a few years back I like how he came in and just gave some hot shooting so he wouldn't really be a long-term commitment I don't know what Phoenix is looking for but I like the idea of him so getting a guard or like a a three four I think who can come in and knock down some shots off the bench I, I think that would be a really good look and maybe we can kind of mix that in depending on like how like some of these clutch lineups look but yeah I, I agree with Salim I think that the Bulls this time around, they really cannot. It they really cannot afford to waffle on this. They really do need to add some sort of shooting at the deadline, especially if they are trying to get into the playoff mix. And you know they are right now, but if they're serious about it, they they got to do something. Like you can't really just kind of sit on your hands this time. So I I think there are guys available who fit kind of being some low cost uh, or at least low salary additions that could really work yeah or like like could um i know someone on bulls twitter brought up uh josh hart but uh i don't know you guys seen our uh, betsy cash money uh but she was saying for for caruso but i was like no we're not trading caruso but like could could you trade portland their pick back for josh hart no because he would help like he would, I mean, Josh Hart's pretty good. So, like, yeah, that's yeah. Josh Hart's been really good, and he's a big part of what they do. So, I don't think he, I don't, I don't think that yeah. the pick is enough to get him. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. That's that's just something I was thinking about. But yeah, I mean, yeah, there's something they have to do. Like they can't, they cannot just sit there and say, yeah, we're we're just gonna write this continuity out and see what happens because if yeah, they just, do that then they're they deserve all the scrutiny and criticism if they do that again right it's just concern it will be very concerning if they continue to look at the roster that they currently have and think that it's okay like they can ha- they have excuses uh, they can make some excuses for the decision to you know stick with continuity over the offseason and go into this year with what they did uh i understand like all the injury stuff like that was real you know, Crusoe being out for as long as he was, obviously ball stuff. They they clearly thought that ball was going to be able to come back this year, which would, you know, we all know would make a big difference. But as I have always said too, the fact that this team has to rely on ball, who's a very good player, but the fact that they have to rely on ball as much as they do is within itself, like an indictment of how poorly the roster is built because you That's, should. Does so everything. Yeah, no, just because everything he does is it's it's our weakness. Like everything right. you can't that have one up. player. Yeah, you can't. That's the thing. You can't have one player <laughs> that fills all those holes. And again, it's all credit to him. He's a great. He's he's very good, and he's probably underrated. But he's a very talented point guard. He does a lot of good things, and the in the roster build made sense with him and being a part of it. Having said that, no roster should be dependent on a player that is your fourth player, technically speaking, right? Like if you're, if he's, it's different. If he, if it's Giannis and Giannis is out, of course, it's different if it's your best player, but that's the point. He was never supposed to be the best player. So I think it's an indictment of how poorly your roster is built when one player, one role player technically is removed and they fall apart as much as they do. So, um, you know, I think, I think that happened. 
but I think that, that so like I, something I said last season, uh, this roster is, um, how did I put it? I said there, there is some of their like parts, like, you know, they're not. Yeah, the whole is, is greater than the sum of their parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, um, that, that could be stuff for anything. Like if Vooch was out for the season, I think we would be screwed. <laughs> like if, yeah. if obviously Damar or Zach were out, We'd be screwed, and we had Lonzo, but not Demar or Zach. We'd be screwed if we had, like I said, AC, <laughs> Demar, Demar, Zach, Lonzo, but not Booch. Screwed. AC, yeah, exactly. That would hurt us long term because that's just the reality of this roster. Because guys complement each other, but they're not like like. Unfortunately, even though we talk about Zach being a better defender, and he. And, and, and he's improved over the years, he's still not a two-way player. He doesn't consistently bring good defense. Like, he's not like Jason Tatum that, you know, he just – every night he's going to be a two-way player. Um, you know, he's not obviously, like, give credit to – I think even the Devin Booker, he, like – I think his defense has got underrated. He's he's not a guy that Phoenix looks to hide anymore. He, he plays good team defense. Um I like ideally Zach could be that consistent every night and it wouldn't be a big problem. But like Demar is a problem because he's he just limited physically because there's things that he, he just can't move quick enough laterally, especially when he's trying to help over on the weak side. So that makes a problem for Demar. Uh, and then Vooch obviously is a limited defender. Like if he was a he was a much better rim protector, things would be different because I think then you could you could make up for some of the other things that the team ends up like, like if Vooch was a really good rim protector, you would end up not missing Lonzo's defense as much. Right. But because Bulls, the Bulls rely so heavily on, on point of attack defense, you need both Lonzo and Caruso. So right. that's, that's just how everything falls into place. Um, I'm sorry. I didn't want to cut you off, but it was just like, no. those, 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 Things are important to note. It's like, yeah, Lonzo is we're miss Lonzo a lot, but the reality is if any one of these four top four or five guys were out and for the remainder of the season, we're in trouble. <laughs> and that's the biggest case if people want to if people wanted to talk about this team blowing it up and everything, I think that's the biggest case to make is like this roster just isn't very good because they're way too fragile. And but I just think that there's a way to, you know, fix that that isn't having to blow it all up. I just think that, you know, that is just adding more depth that fits your areas of weakness, obviously. So that's why we talk about adding more shooting, you know, adding potentially uh, more rim protection, adding a, uh, you know, backup point guard that is a, maybe just a little bit more of a true point guard. So it, it, it's just and like Dragic is could be that maybe if it was early this was earlier in his career you know I just think they obviously have to watch him as closely and watch what he does or watch his role uh, somewhat closely but yeah I think there's ways for this this Bulls team because the, the thing is they're never they don't have a superstar and if you don't have a superstar then you're going to have to have that kind of team build of you know you're you're always going to be a little fragile because if somebody's out like how could you you combat that I just think if you improve this depth a little bit you can obviously make up for when Lonzo's gone. You can help make up for if Zach has to miss some time. Like there's just ways for you to better weather the storm. This team right now uh, doesn't have that ability because their depth just doesn't make a lot of sense with where their current roster holes are. If you fix that, uh, you know, things are, I think things could be a different story. So 
yeah, I definitely think changes need to be made. Uh, I think I think they'll, they'll they'll evaluate those changes. We'll see if they uh, you know we talk about ownership. That's a big deal. Like, are they going to let them make the moves? Uh, hopefully, they will because I do think this is a salvageable thing. Uh, I do think that there's a way for them to keep kind of playing competitive basketball moving forward and and build a better foundation around Zach and even Demar. And uh, you know, because that duo is an incredibly lethal scoring duo, and it will continue to be. You just have to find the right pieces. So. Hopefully they continue to do that, and uh, and it's going to be an exciting next month to to see how how things play out. Stressful probably, but exciting. Yeah, no, no, it, it will be a little stressful as soon as the all of these uh, rumors and stuff uh, start appearing. But no, I, I agree. I think that as we talked about, they're the top three players are playing well. They're playing like how they should. So if you can give that an extra shot in the arm going down the stretch, then you have to absolutely do it. So it's it's an opportunity. It's, it's it's something that they really need to take advantage of right now as we approach the trade deadline. Uh, Elias, thank you so much for coming through on Bulls Gold and and joining us today and talking about this past week of action with this team. It's a it, it's been a roller coaster, but it, it seems like we're starting to even out a little bit and getting some consistency. But it, it's been a blast talking to you. Can you let our listeners know what you're working on and where they can where they can read your stuff and where they can find you at? Yeah, so we are uh, we're do, we're doing stuff every day over at uh, at, at Bleacher Nation. Uh, we cover obviously the, the the Cubs, the Bears, the Bulls, um, and uh, we cover the Blackhawks and just the sports world as a whole. We uh, we do plenty of national uh, news as well, the big stuff, but uh, Chicago based, Chicago centric. So if you love Chicago sports in any capacity. Uh, definitely follow us on social at bn underscore bulls, or you can go to at Bleacher Nation and uh, go to the website. Um, just go to, to bleachernation.com. And uh, like I said, if you're a Chicago sports fan, I'm hoping you can find something on there. <laughs> and I'm assuming if you listen to this, you're a Bulls fan. Hopefully you can, uh, if you enjoy, if you thought of anything I said today was okay, then maybe you'll think some of the things I write <laughs> is okay are okay. And uh, that's all over at bleachernation.com. Uh, every day there's posts coming out. Uh, I write about this team obsessively uh, and <laughs> I can't stop. So if, you, if that interests you, uh, bleachernation.com. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Elias. Uh, Salim, any final thoughts before we wrap up, man? Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I kind of short notice. I we like I was slacking to yeah. speak on on finding a guest. And I was like, oh, let me ask Elias. And he's like, yeah, I'll join you guys. So I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> but I appreciate him doing that. And 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 I definitely I like reading Elias' thoughts. Uh, and I do like that Elias and. In, in rare occasions, uses my tweets as examples for his articles. So <laughs> you have good uh, stuff. Yeah, you, you have good tweets. That Zach Levine chart the other day. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me feel it makes me feel nice that I'm not a complete idiot that you know someone else appreciates some of my thoughts. So, uh, yeah, it's it's good. You know, Elias, Elias is awesome. Uh, does great work at at Bleacher uh, Nation, and yeah, the Bulls is Bulls team, man. Let's see what happens. Just they, we could if they keep it up, we could realistically be talking about them being out of the plan and 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 that six seed and the east in general like you look at it like outside of like no one's really taking the reins in the east if you look at it realistically like like well, not boston but like the bucks have had like some of these weird losses like they gave they lost they got their butts kicked by the hornets the other day they gave up 51 points to the hornets in the first quarter like like 
At least in the regular season. I'm not talking about the playoffs. Playoffs are different. And the Bucks could be just cruising because it's the regular season. But I'm just talking about, and standing-wise in the East, no team has just you know, said, you know what, like, it's impossible for you to catch up into the top four. You know, if the Bulls keep playing well, and I'm getting ahead of myself, I don't want to sound like a fool uh, saying all these things where they could. I'm not saying that they will uh, get into the top four, but, like, if things go a certain way, maybe they could get that five or six if they keep playing the way they are and because they have the easiest or second easiest or one B easiest schedule for the remaining of the season after starting off with, like, like the second hardest, easily the second hardest schedule uh, they started out with. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, we just got to continue to hope that they, they play well. And I think not being a coincidence that Zach being back to his normal self has resulted in the Bulls, you know, trying to pick up these wins. So, yeah, um, yeah we'll see what happens. Yeah, it looks like we have our adults back in the room after uh, Minnesota uh, forced it out of them with 150 basketball points. Uh, so uh, yeah, the, these have been uh, some great outcomes lately, and uh, hopefully they don't fall back into old ways. You mentioned the the Bucks losing to Charlotte. I mean, that's a trap game. So uh, the Bulls in a few weeks have a – a Thursday night game against Charlotte <laughs> that that screams trap. So hopefully, hopefully things, uh, hopefully they, they stay on course and continue to do what they're doing. But uh, that, that concludes today's Bulls Gold. As always, you can catch up on our past shows wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, on Spotify, on Podbean, wherever you get your shows. And you can catch us right here on the Barroom Network. So for Salim Sudawala, I'm Edward Shua. This has been Bulls Gold, and we will catch you next time, Bulls fans.